I hope you had a blessed Thanksgiving. I uh, love to return from seeing family at Thanksgiving and find the church decorated for Christmas. Just, it's just amazing. It just happens. Uh, you wake up one day and the church is decorated. In truth, folks work hard to make that happen. Thank you for those who did a, such a wonderful job decorating our church for Christmas this year. And I hope, I hope you're paying close attention to Pastor Mike's announcements, to our website, to our, our communications that go out from the church as we go into this season and we adapt to uh, the COVID crisis, the situation, and celebrate the holidays accordingly. So pay attention to those things and get involved. I do remind you of the many things that he he said and announced. Some of those require you to come to the church, or maybe you're not comfortable yet being here on Sundays. That's okay. If you come by the church during the week, be sure that it's in office hours. Give us a call in advance if you need to do that. These are Interesting, strange, difficult, sometimes exciting times as well. I hope you were able to at least see your family members or some of your family uh, during the Thanksgiving week. Uh, many of you did. Many, many like me and Kim, we traveled to see family. We stayed apart, but we shared at the same time and practiced those precautions. Uh, but I would say to, to us that we're able to see family, whether from a distance, uh, across the room, or in the driveway, however you did it, uh, remember there are a lot of folks that, that, due to the COVID crisis, were not able to be with family this Thanksgiving. Remember that. Never, first of all, never take for granted the privilege that we have when we have it, but also remember those, pray for those that may have spent some time alone during the Thanksgiving season. Uh, I, I, my wife said something profound that really stuck with me uh, during this week. Couldn't tell you exactly when she said it. I just know it, it stuck with me. And it, and it really applies to what we're going to be talking about this morning and next week. She said, we talk so much about what we can't do during COVID. We need to talk about what we can do. We need to focus on what we can do. And, and that's what God wants us to focus on. God wants us to see him show up, to trust him, during a tough time, a time of crisis, because God has not changed, and God is at work in our midst all the time. I love the story of Scott McCauley. Have you heard about Scott McCauley? In 1985, Scott McCauley was 24 years old, had just started his career, was living in his apartment alone, and that year he had to have Thanksgiving all by himself. Not because of a pandemic, his parents had divorced, some other things had happened, and it just left him alone during the Thanksgiving holidays, they would not have their traditional gathering. And he was in his apartment, and he was feeling sorry for himself. And then and Macaulay's a believer. He's a member of the First Baptist Church where he lives. And he thought to himself, why sit around and, and just think about what I can't do? What can I do? And that year, he ran an ad in the newspaper to invite complete strangers to enjoy Thanksgiving with him. Uh, and, and in fact, a few folks did show up. Now, he, he, he doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for anyone to help out with the meal. He just has one condition, and that's that the people who come to, who are invited and come to his Thanksgiving, write on a piece of paper what they're thankful for. That's his one condition. Well, in 1985, he started that tradition, and just a few folks showed up, but they had such a great time, complete strangers. Until that day, they had a great time together. He decided, whether he's, he's with his family or not, every year, 
he would run an ad in the paper and invite complete strangers to come and have Thanksgiving with him. And he started doing that. Uh, the event has grown to somewhere around 100 people a year. And he utilizes church fellowship buildings wherever he can to accommodate people to come and have Thanksgiving. Some are returnees, not always any more complete strangers. But he always runs an ad in the paper and invites people he doesn't know to come and have Thanksgiving with him. Well, clearly, he couldn't do that in 2020. It would not work out. He was deeply disappointed. But he said he could adapt to the situation. Again, it wasn't about what he couldn't do. It was about what he can do. So here's what he did. He put together baskets for people to pick up and to take home and have Thanksgiving on their own. And in the basket was a gift card for them to purchase a turkey, to go get a turkey uh, and take that home and prepare it. And if people didn't cook, if they weren't going to prepare a turkey, didn't know how to do it, didn't cook, he also provided coupons at a local deli for people to go and pick up a full Thanksgiving dinner to take home and celebrate Thanksgiving. Even though they might still be alone, they would know that people cared about them. But his one condition remained true. They had to write down on a slip of paper when they picked up their basket or the coupon, they had to write down on a slip of paper and leave it behind what they are thankful for. Over these years, these, these 35 years that he's been doing it, uh, he has found that, that homeless people, senior adults who are alone, people who are sick, terminally ill sometimes, but mostly people, for whatever reason, they're spending Thanksgiving alone, respond to the invitation to come and share a meal at Thanksgiving. This year, here's an example of some of what people wrote on those slips of paper. One person, a 99-year-old woman said, in this COVID-19 time, I'm thankful for life itself. Another person said, I'm thankful for the ability to go for a walk every day. Someone else said, I'm thankful for the doctors, the nurses, the EMTs, firefighters, and police who have been working so hard. Another one wrote, I'm thankful for every morning when I wake up with my dog. Another one said, I'm thankful for being able to walk, talk, breathe, see, and hear every day. And one said, I'm thankful that I will have a turkey dinner because of Scott. It's not what you can't do. It's what you can do. And even in a time of crisis, even in our toughest times, God opens doors and opportunities of ministry. God wants us to see the world the way he sees the world and see people around us the way he sees the people around us. This week and next week, we're going to talk about trusting God in our toughest times. And this morning, we're going to zero in on a fundamental truth of Scripture, that God often uses our toughest times to do his greatest work. God uses our toughest times to do his greatest work. That's how God works. And if we are paying attention and looking for where God is working, we can get involved in what God is doing. I know that many of us here and those at home have had a, a difficult time these eight months, these last four weeks. It's been very, very hard. Uh, some are struggling with eviction. Some are struggling with job loss. Some are struggling with sickness or sickness in their family. We are distanced from people that we love. God is always at work. God cares about you. He cares about us. And he wants us to see the world the way he sees it. He wants to remind us that even in our toughest times, 
He can do his greatest work. If you have your Bible, find with me the New Testament book of Luke and chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. If you're familiar with the Bible, you'll recognize that in the book of Luke, chapters 1 and 2, is Luke's story of the birth of Christ, what we, where we often draw the Christmas story, especially from chapter 2 of the Gospel of Luke. But the first two chapters open up for us the events surrounding the people that God involved in the coming of Christ, in the birth of Christ into the world. A key of those people, one of the most significant, of course, is Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ. And it's on her that we're going to focus this week and next week. We're going to come into the story of Mary when she is visiting her relative Elizabeth. So let's get some background to that. The Bible says that uh, Elizabeth and, his hu- and her husband, Zachariah, were... Uh, up in years, had not yet had a child, when God revealed to them that they would have a son, the son that would become John the Baptist. And the Bible teaches in prophecy that Jesus the Messiah would have a herald, a a forerunner, someone who would come and proclaim that the Christ was coming, and John the Baptist would be that person. John, the cousin of Jesus Christ, would be his herald. And God revealed to Elizabeth and Zechariah that they would be the parents of John the Baptist. Now next in the story, the same angel that reveals this to Elizabeth and Zechariah shows up to Mary and reveals to Mary that she is going to be the mother of the Christ child, the Messiah himself. She will be the mother of Jesus Christ. And, and that uh, God has revealed to her relative Elizabeth that she also would be with child. So we pick up in the story where Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. Look there with me in Luke chapter 1. We're going to start reading in verse 39. Luke chapter 1 and verse 39. In those days, the Bible says, Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah, where she entered Zechariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped inside her, And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now move down to verse 46. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and his name is holy. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary and Elizabeth meet. Both of them pregnant, and John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaps with joy when he hears Mary's voice. God is at work. It's validation, confirmation for both ladies that God is at work. And God does his greatest work in our toughest times. When we celebrate Christmas, especially when we put on Christmas productions, to us in the 21st century in our churches, it, it's, it's glitz, it's, it's uh, kind of fancy, it's, it's a lot of lights, it's uh, people dressed up to portray the people at Christmas, and all that's well and good, but sometimes we forget what conditions would have been like 
in the first century. Most Jews living in Palestine lived in poverty. There was no middle class in the first century. You either lived in poverty, you were wealthy, or you were a slave. That was the Roman Empire, and that was what it was like in Palestine. Mary, Elizabeth, most of the people they knew would have lived most of their lives in poverty. They knew what it was like to work day by day, not knowing what the next day was going to be like. When they did have a strong business, such as Joseph, who would become a carpenter, that business was strong and thrived as long as the Roman Empire left you alone. But at any moment, the Roman Empire, the occupying force of Palestine, could shut down businesses, could drive out Jews, could force you to go anywhere, do anything they wanted you to do. They could even call a man away from his labor and force that man to carry a Roman soldier's pack as far as they wanted to go. Usually a mile, which by the way is the reason we still have mile markers on our highways today. Because in the Roman Empire, the miles were marked because a Jewish man knew he could drop the pack and leave at that mile marker. They were lived under oppression. All the time. It's hard for us to even fathom what life would have been like in the Roman Empire at that time. And yet here these two women meet whose lives have been forever changed by God himself and rather than complain, they celebrate. They celebrate what God is doing in their lives. Mary of all people. Mary has just found out she's going to be a teenage unwed mother in Palestine, and she is part of a religion that teaches the only way she could be a teenage unwed mother is to have committed adultery, broken the seventh commandment. A crime punishable by death if the community she lives in so desires. And yet she celebrates what God is doing. Extraordinary, isn't it? Because they both realize what you and I need to remember, that when God is at work, even in our toughest times, God can bring, bring about his, his greatest work. And we celebrate. And we look for what he's going to do. It's not about what we can't do. It's not about complaining. It's about what God is doing and what we get to be a part of. For the next few minutes, let's talk about how it is that God does his greatest work in our toughest times. And let's see if we can learn something from Mary. The song that she sings is typically called the Magnificat. That's the Latin term for her praise to God uh, and the term magnificent, that God is magnificent and she glorifies God. So we're going to zero in on this song this week and next week. And this morning we'll consider how it is that God does his greatest work in our toughest time. And next week we'll consider how to respond to God working in our toughest time, and God bringing out what he desires in our lives. So how is it that God works, does his greatest work in our toughest time? First, God uses tough times to fulfill his plans. God uses tough times to fulfill his plans. I, I, we could probably say God almost always uses tough times to fulfill his plans because in the Bible, over and over and over again, we see that those are the times that God is fulfilling his plans. In tough times, what seemed tough to the people 
is in fact an opportunity for God to do something great. And God moves people in those tough times where God wants them to be so that they can participate in what he's doing. If you're sitting at home this morning or you're, you're living in an environment, you wonder, does God have any idea where I am or what I'm going through? God not only knows where you are and what you're going through, God has a plan for you right where you are. And you can participate in God's plans by looking to him and seeing things the way that he sees it. The first verse we read, verse 39, says, In those days Mary set out and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judah. It was dangerous to travel in the first century. We love our notion of Mary and Joseph riding on a donkey all the way from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and they're all by themselves. And we like that picture, but the truth is they would not have made that journey alone. They were in a caravan. Whenever you traveled in the first century, unless you wanted to be a target for bandits, you didn't travel alone. You traveled in a caravan with people. The Bible zeroes in on them because they're the most important people, and we zero in on them in our Christmas pageants because they're the most important people. But remember, this was a terribly dangerous time. Even so, Mary, now a pregnant teenager, gathers her things, joins some caravan going to the hill country of Judah to see her relative Elizabeth. Why? Because God told her Elizabeth was pregnant also. Because Elizabeth's pregnancy would validate and confirm the plan of Almighty God. And these two ladies come together, now pregnant, and rather than complain, why would God do this to us in this time in our lives? They celebrate what God is doing. They get to be a part of God's great plan in history. That's how God works. You wonder if God knows where you are what you're doing? God is getting you to where he wants you to be. If you'll listen to him, God's always at work. God's always at work. I wonder if I asked you this morning, if you could name the 15th president of the United States, could you do it? If I ask you if you could name the 38th president of the United States, the, the 5th president of the United States, could you do it? Probably not, because you'd Google it. But it's not on the tip of your tongue. But if I ask you what teenage girl God picked out to give birth to the King of Glory on planet Earth, could you do it? Absolutely. Even people that have never read the Bible, never been to church, know what we believe, know what the Bible says. The legacy of Mary is very simple. She gave in to the plan of God when it was revealed to her. And she celebrated the plan of God. God worked in the lives of these two families to bring them together. To confirm, validate, and affirm, and encourage what he was doing in their lives, and what he was doing in history. Everybody in the Christmas story that's involved in the Christmas story in their time is insignificant. You ever thought about that? They're not the kind of people we would pick out. Joseph, Mary, the shepherds, we wouldn't pick them out to be great people, to leave a, 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 a heritage, a legacy for all humanity, but they're the people that God picked out to carry out his greatest work and in his plan. God uses our toughest times to fulfill his plan and to advance his plan. And when we see things the way God does and get involved in what he's doing, that's how God works. Have you considered how God's plan might be unfolding in your life during this COVID crisis? Do we spend all of our time 
complaining and worrying. I hear over and over from believers, uh, I can't wait till we get back. And I, and I sympathize with that. I want us to be back together. I want the room to be full again. I want us all to be able to sing and to celebrate again. I understand that. But when we say over and over, I can't wait till we get back to the way things were, it implies God's not doing anything now. Could it be that God is revealing to us opportunities for ministry and we're so focused on what we want to do, we're not paying attention to God? We're so blessed to be a distribution point for the uh, food boxes. Uh, Pastor Mike mentioned earlier, there's another distribution this Friday morning. Be here, 9 o'clock, for that distribution. Did you know that that distribution from our site right here has grown from 200 boxes back in May to 1,200, 1,300 even boxes now? North Carolina Baptists recognized First Baptist Church of Shalot. God pointed them to us because we are a central distribution point for Brunswick County. But you know what the main reason is? The main reason is you. You volunteers, you servants of God, coming out, stepping up, working hard. North Carolina Baptists say, that's what we want to see. We want to see people like that, that come out, foot soldiers for God, in ministry, serving their community for Christ. And because you continue to come out, we are able to continue to be a distribution point that helps our community during this COVID crisis. Let me underscore that. It's because of the COVID crisis that this ministry is happening. I'm not diminishing the fact that people are hurting and people are in need of food. But remember and understand, God has pointed us to this ministry. We have responded as a church, and we are now distributing to churches all over our county and people in need all over our county. God is using us to do that because you stepped up, you came on board, and you're serving God in a new ministry. We would not have planned it. We would never have imagined it. In fact, if we said, well, it's going to be a tough time that brings that on, we would have said, we don't want the tough time. But now we get to see God work in a way we never would have. Now I want to ask you a question. Can you imagine, can you imagine if we responded in force as foot soldiers of God, if we responded that way to all of our ministries, to all the opportunities God gives us, if we stopped saying we want to get back and started saying we want to get out there and do what God wants us to do. We want to impact our community for Christ during the COVID crisis. We want people to remember that First Baptist Church of Shalot loved them when they were hurting and they were down. And we want to say loud and clear, the gospel's not quarantined. God is still at work in my life and in yours. God uses our toughest times to advance his plan. That's not a question. The question is, are we on board with what God is doing in the midst of that tough time, in the midst of that crisis? Second, God uses tough times to humble his servants. This is the second way God's greatest work happens in our toughest times. He uses tough times to humble his servants. See, the Bible teaches that God uses humble people for his work, and if God wants to use a person for his work, he humbles them. God uses humble people for his work, and if he wants to use someone, he humbles them. 
God doesn't use prideful people. In fact, the Bible teaches just the opposite, that God has no place for the proud, only for the humble. Mary expresses it this way. She says, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of the servant, surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. The phrase translated, looked with favor, means he paid attention to me. He, he was watching me, and I didn't know it. He was looking at my life, and, and I had no idea. On, this, on my humble condition is a perfect translation of a word that refers to her position in life, her condition that she lived in. What it means is everyone else looking at her life would have considered her insignificant, not humble, but insignificant. When God looked at her life, he looked at her as a person of humble character, and her conditions displayed that, and God came to her, and rather than her being belittled, as the world would do, God exalted her to a, an opportunity of ministry and, and brought her into his plan. God uses tough times to humble servants and to raise up humble servants into his plan, into what he wants us to do. Mary, grasping this truth, continues. Verse 51 he has done a mighty deed with his arm. He has scattered the proud because of the thoughts of their hearts. Not because of things they're doing, but because in their hearts, in their character, they're prideful. They're not useful to God. He scattered them. He has toppled the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. That's how God works. He exalts those who are humble to places of service. And God can use conditions to humble us. And remind us that we need him and we need to trust him. The, play, the time that you know that you're ready for God to do a great work in your tough time is when you say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, I can't handle this. I'm not perfect. I need your help, God. I need your help. I need your help. You bow your heart to God in humility and say, God, do a great work in my life. Use me to do a great work in other people's lives. That's what God is looking for. You see, until that happens, we think of every crisis as being all about us. We worry about us. We, uh, we're, we take sides, whether to wear a mask, not wear a mask. It's all about us. But when we say to God, God, I don't know what, I don't know what to do, we're humble before God. And that's when God can use us. We become transparent to God and who God is. And the uh, artists in the medieval period are the ones who like to paint stained glass windows. And y'all know what stained glass windows are. We have three right in front of our entryway into this worship center. Beautiful stained glass windows. A tradition of Christianity that came out of the medieval and renaissance times. When people would portray the life and the story of Christ in glass and put those windows into buildings. They're beautiful. And nearly all the characters were, were of different colors, and all the scenery was painted with, with various colors, bright colors, so when the sun shone through, it illuminated those colors. But in tradition, when Mary was included in a stained glass window, she was never painted a color. She was always left clear, just clear glass. To symbolize that the light of God shone through her, 
in purity because she was humble and ready to be used. That's when God does great work in our toughest times. Tough times humble us. If the coronavirus has done anything, it should have humbled us. Made us aware that we're not in control of everything. Medical science, wonderful. Healthcare workers, awesome, thank you. But we're not in control. We can do our best, and we should, to prevent, take caution. When the vaccine arrives, take that vaccine when that's your opportunity. But even so, understand, we're not in control. Who is? God is. God is. And we are humble before God. And when we have that humility, that character of humility, that's when God can do his greatest work in our lives. So how does God show up to do his greatest work in our toughest times? He fulfills his plan. Uh, he humbles his servants and exalts the humble. And then third, God shows up in tough times. God uses tough times to impact the future. God uses tough times to impact the future. Imagine Mary's moment when she realized, and she and Elizabeth realized, they would be key players in God's greatest plan. The plan they had been learning about and hearing about all of their lives. The plan they had been taught all of their lives. The coming of Christ, the Messiah would come, would set people free. The King of Israel, the one true King, would arrive. And there they stand with babies in their wombs. And those two babies have been prophesied for hundreds of years among their people. Imagine their joy, their excitement to know that God would use them to impact all generations. Imagine their joy and their excitement to realize they were the fulfillment of prophecy. This is how Mary puts it, verse 50. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. Verse 54, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. I'm not just some insignificant person living in Palestine. I am part of my heritage, and God has used me to bring about the greatest work ever prophesied in history. How could she have possibly known? that God would show up and do that. She didn't. But God did. God, Don't take for granted that God's not working. Don't think that God is, is not at work. And remember, when God is at work, God is always doing His work through us for future generations. How you and I respond now will impact generations to come. How you and I serve God now will impact generations to come. It's not about us. And it's not about what we can't do. It's about what God wants to do through us. And God already knows who we're going to impact, who comes next, what's going to happen next. God knows all these things. And God is in control. God is in charge. And God wants to use us to impact future generations. You and I look at our lives, and to us, most of the time, it's just about right now. It's about our lives right now. When God looks at our lives, he, he sees the bigger picture. He sees what comes next. When God makes decisions about your life, he takes into account everybody in your life right now and everybody that's going to be in your life. God knows who he wants you to meet, who he wants you to impact, who he wants you to pray for. God knows how he's going to use you 
to impact the next generation. That's how God works. God grows us in these tough times to serve Him. I know these times are difficult for many of us. You at home, I know that. You and I both know that. I'm not neglecting or diminishing the struggles that many of us have during this time. But let's ask God this this morning. God, will you help us see things the way you do? Will you help us see, God, that you're going to do a great work in our toughest times? You can do your greatest work in our toughest times if we'll trust you. Can we, can we trust God for that? Have you ever heard of the bristlecone pines? These are not the trees you're going to put in your house for Christmas. You don't go to Lowe's and buy them. The bristlecone, the bristlecone pines grow in the mountains of our western states. They grow on the rockiest of soils. They're hardy, and some of them live for thousands of years. Scientists are fascinated by the bristlecone pines for that reason. I've studied them a great deal. And what they've learned is that uh, the very root system and the uh, internal system of the, of the pine trees themselves make it possible for them to live that long in very harsh conditions. In fact, they found that if a bristlecone pine is planted in better conditions and richer soil, not in rocky soil, but in richer soil, they don't live long at all. They, they grow quickly and they die young. But they have the fortitude to last and the perseverance to last because of the harsh conditions. It's a perfect illustration for a lot of things God wants to do in our lives. But we zero in on this one truth. God does His greatest work sometimes in our harshest conditions, in our toughest times. And that's when God grows us in character. That's when God grows our walk with Christ. I would ask you first and foremost, followers of Christ, how's your walk with Christ during COVID? How's your walk with Christ during COVID? Are you struggling and complaining and saying, God, this is about me? Are you looking outward and saying, God, Help me, I trust you, but show me what this looks like from your point of view. I want to see ministry happening. I want to know, God, what's your plan? What do you want me to do in this time of struggle, in these harsh and difficult and tough days, such as they are? But God's in control. God knows what he's doing. God knows where you are, and God knows what he wants you to do to be a part of his great work in this time. And if you're not a follower of Christ here in house or at home, I want to invite you to trust Christ as your Savior today. The name above all names we sang about earlier is the one that will save you. If you will trust Christ as your Savior, the one we celebrate at Christmas who came into the world to die for our sins, he's alive today. And if you'll trust him as your Savior, God will forgive you of your sins and give you eternal life today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we pause in this moment, God. And I pray, Father, for those who are struggling today. I pray first, God, for our heartache, our struggle, our needs, our pain. I pray for those who are sick, God, for their healing. I pray, Father, for all of us. You would help us through these difficult and tough times that we are in. But God, together we also acknowledge that you are in control, Father. God, forgive us for even for a moment thinking that we're in control, God. And I pray, Father, this would be a humbling moment for all of us, God, when we realize you want to do a plan in, in our lives and you want to include us, God, in your bigger picture and your greater plan. And Father, we, we submit to you. We bow to you, God, our Savior. Father, we do pray that the virus would 
dissipate and end. We pray, God, for those who are sick to be healed. We pray, Father, that we would see things the way that you do. We pray that ministries would grow and thrive during this environment. And we pray, God, that our walk with Christ would be greater coming out of the coronavirus season than it was going in, that we would walk closer closer with you now than we ever have before. And Father, for that one who would trust Christ as their Savior today, God, how I pray, they would pray this prayer of faith with me, putting all their faith and trust in Jesus Christ today to forgive them of their sins. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I know that I can't save myself. And Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, and you're alive today. So Jesus, come into my heart and into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a home in heaven. Jesus, I repent of my sins and commit my life to Christ today. Father, for all who prayed with me today, I pray, God, you'd relieve our burdens. You'd fill us with your spirit. You'd help us, God, to faithfully take the next steps we need to follow Christ. And it's in his precious name we pray.